Hello and welcome to the NHRA Insider Podcast with Brian Loans. A blazing fire under the body of the nitro-powered Toyota Camry of Alexis DeJoria, and this is as bad a fire as you're ever going to see. On this episode, it's Dallas Glenn, Cameron Ferre, and Trip Tate of Three Guys Making Headlines. Eric Anders is your 2020 Pro Stock World Champion in stunning fashion. The offseason officially starts now. Scotty's out on Andrew at 1,000 feet. It's Scotty Polachek for the first time in his career. This is the NHRA Insider. Tony Schumacher. Wow, what an appropriate way to end this one. 28 10,000s at the strike. An instant classic final round. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode, the first off-season episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Loans, and it is going to be a wild couple of months around here. Uh, Not necessarily just on the podcast, of course, but around here, meaning inside the entire world of NHRA Camping World Championship Drag Racing. What an incredible finish we had at the Auto Club Finals. Uh, All three days were spectacular. Four days, really. Sportsman racing began on Thursday, but Friday, Saturday, and Sunday were just rock'em sock'em robots awesomeness in really every category we had from top to bottom and crowned some sportsman champions and certainly crowned our four camping world champions and and over the course of this winter we'll be having championship conversations with those uh with those racers that got the job done we'll also be talking to them on nhra.com and various other social media platforms to boot but this show is going to be interesting i i wanted to do something a little different to kick off the off season i did not necessarily want to chase the champs because I know everybody's trying to talk to them right now when it makes sense but I wanted to talk to guys who had an impact on the race over the course of the weekend and of course Cameron Frey and Trip Tatum both made semi-final appearances in top fuel we're going to talk to those guys about that and Dallas Glenn who has had just an astonishing season uh was awarded rightfully the rookie of the year and I want to talk to him about that as well it was uh it was like the most public and intense rookie of the year battle we've had since I've been involved in NHRA drag racing. It was great. And, you know, the rookie of the year is something that's voted on by by media uh, and various people uh, included in the sport. It's not a public vote, but I thought it was really fantastic that both Josh Hart and Dallas Glenn made such a public um, show, if you will, of wanting this award, of understanding what this award carries with it and uh, wanting to earn it. And I do think that This particular Rookie of the Year season, we had like a dozen people that were eligible for it, uh, redefines what the Rookie of the Year has been in NHRA drag racing. We look at people who have earned it over the last half decade or so, and several of those people are no longer involved in the sport. In fact, one of those people won it and never drove again. And so I am thoroughly thankful that these two guys were in the final kind of running, if you will, certainly most publicly, and that both of them have a bright future in NHRA drag racing. This is not a a situation where people are going to be disappearing. These are people that are dedicated, that have put the time and work in and have no uh, inkling to go anywhere or do anything else. So uh, it is to our benefit as fans, as enthusiasts of the sport, that we have this level of talent uh, throwing down. And and it was cool that it was cross categories too. I mean, we had the top field driver and Josh Hart and, of course, pro stock competitor in Dallas Glenn. Uh, when we talk about the Auto Club Finals, I think when we look back on this race 20, 30 years from now, it will be a classic. Um, it'll be a classic for multiple reasons. I think if we start with Pro Stock Motorcycle, um, Matt Smith collecting his fifth, collecting it by plowing into the sand trap at full speed ahead with no brakes and then having the bike uh, be able to be serviced and turned around and coming back to actually win the race. Um 
you know, this is what champions do. It's what has defined Matt Smith's career. Uh, he is a guy who is just relentless in his pursuit of this stuff, does not give up for anything. And, and yeah, driving your bike into the sand with no brakes at 100-some miles an hour, staying upright, by the way, and then climbing off and having the presence of mind to spin around toward the camera and throw your five up to, to kind of uh, remind us all that he's a five-time champion was uh, a great moment, a signature moment in his career, I, I dare to say. Greg Anderson, another signature moment in his career. You know, it was not a situation for Greg where he had to sit around and wait for other people to do stuff for him in terms of getting a championship locked up. It all came down to his hands, came down to his ability, came down to his doing, and uh, we watched him do what he does. He went, stood in there with Erica. Erica did leave on him um, by a few hundredths of a second. The The car rattled and spun the tires on Erica's side, and he was able to motor down. That was in the semifinal, and that locked up the championship. For Eric Anders, this was a battle to the end. It was uh, showed the scrappiness of that team, showed the dedication of that team, and showed their unwillingness to give up at any point over the course of the year. So a lot of credit words due on that side of the racetrack as well. But for uh, for Greg Anderson, it's been a long time coming. 11 years since his last championship, almost bizarre to say out loud, and a signature season. I mean, of all the seasons he's had, and he has had some of the most dominating seasons in NHRA history, no matter the class category, you know, race, creed, or color. The guy has uh, has owned years of pro stock that p- people probably will never own in that fashion again. This was different. This was a season where he got historic victories, tying and then surpassing Warren Johnson, ending up with 99 career wins in the HendrickCars.com Camaro, and then winning the Auto Club Finals to cap that 99th and winning the semifinal round to lock up a championship. So um, I, I think it's impossible to gauge a lot of this stuff, and we'll have these conversations with the racers themselves. But I'm wondering where this one ranks for Greg Anderson in terms of his um, his all-time season stuff. If you missed it, uh, Joe Costello and I were on the same flight leaving Ontario Airport on Monday morning, as was Greg Anderson, Kim Anderson, and many of the members of that team. And credit where it's due, Joe Costello said to me, hey, man, we got to do something. We got to recognize this guy on the plane. So we got up to cruising altitude, and uh, I tapped Joe on the shoulder, and he went to the back of the uh, aircraft and turned on his his phone and fired up the video camera. I went to the front of the aircraft and asked the uh, lead flight attendant if I could use the PA system for a moment, and I did. And uh, we we recognized and had an entire plane cheering for Greg Anderson, uh, thirty five or thirty eight thousand feet in the air as we made our way from Ontario to a connecting flight in Dallas, Texas. Really fun moment very cool moment and one that uh, Joe Costello masterminded and uh, I was able to jibber jabber on the crew or on the intercom on the plane and kind of recognize Greg Anderson's accomplishment it was fun top fuel you know of all the foregone conclusions uh, this one this one went as we expected it to Steve Torrance qualified well Brandon Welsh gave a nice race in the first round the uh, the mileage or the max mileage fuel born catalyst sponsored car running against the Capco machine. Welch had a career weekend for himself, fastest speed ever recorded in his life. Um, so really, a successful weekend for them and for Steve Torrance. It was it was everything we thought it would be and should be and could be. Goes out there, wins the drag race, wins the first round, wins the championship, fourth in a row gold standard of top fuel racing um i was getting some some guff on the social medias for for saying some of these things about that team and what they've accomplished and how they've accomplished it uh you know it's like anything else even me not everybody likes you not everybody's a fan so there are some people that were disappointed that steve got a fourth i'm not among them um you know i, I tend not to have rooting interest because it's certainly kind of runs counter to, to our ability to objectively call a race um 
but I look at that team with a lot of admiration. I, I look at what they accomplish, and I, I just it's 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 changed the game. And we're going to talk about and with two racers that I believe uh, are beneficiaries of that, and Cameron Frey and Trip Tatum in just a little while. Not directly per se, maybe one more than the other, but this I, this idea, this ability of an independent team to be competitive has really kind of changed the whole face of of what top fuel racing looks like, and really what the what uh, through the ranks of pro drag racing looks like. And finally, Nitro Funny Car, uh, that was the nail-biter, right? That was the nail-biter. Ron Caps, Guido, John Medlin go out there and run into Matt Hagen in the second round, and Hagen gets by him. And we looked at each other, myself and Tony Pedregon in the tower, and thought, oh, this is a bad deal for Caps. This is not, this is the nightmare scenario, because when we looked at what Hagen was going to have to do, which was win the race in order to lock up a championship, he was going to be facing a car, on the uh, other side of the other side of the racetrack in Alexis Dejoria, a fast car, a race winning car, a consistent car, but a car that had not performed to the level of Matt Hagen's over the course of the day. Well, if we all know what happened, Del Worsham came up there with a great tune up. Alexis left the starting line on time and she delivered the goods for Ron Caps. Ron was uh, as a lot of drivers try to do in these situations, was trying to artfully avoid our cameras, but we always need to put a camera on a guy or a girl who is facing one of these scenarios, one of these situations. It's very compelling, not just television. It's very emotionally compelling to see how these people react in these high-pressure situations, one that you have no control over. And uh, we saw Ron's reaction. We saw the crowd's reaction, his family's reaction, and it was great. A a two-time world champion. Going to be talking to Ron later on this week on NHRA.com and look forward to uh, diving a little bit deeper into the emotions of this one now that they have fully settled in. The offseason, as mentioned, is going to be berserker mode. If you watched our Fox show, you watched our post-race show, uh, you likely saw some of the things we had hinted at, alluded to, made mention of regarding different people moving to different places, doing different things. Some of that has been announced. Some of it has not. Uh, Doug Foley's team has moved to Indianapolis. They are planning on running enough races to contend for a top 10 spot. We are hearing active rumors that there is a better-than-average chance Austin Proc will be back out in the seat of a race car next year. We are hearing a lot of rumors regarding um, people who will be named in the next couple of weeks as crew chiefs on various cars like the Scrappers team and others. Uh, We are hearing various rumors of a multi-car pro stock team coming along for next year. So uh, the PRI show, which is coming up in December, just really a few weeks from right now, making the show uh, about the week before Thanksgiving, um, is going to be a hotbed of news, if not before that. And so that's going to be NHRA.com. It's going to be here. It's going to be on competitionplus.com. We plan on talking to a lot of these uh, mover, shaker, headline maker type people. And, you know, it's tough because I want to sit here and blabber about everything I know and I think I know and I've heard and maybe happening. It might not be happening. Um, but uh, at this point, it is better off just to kind of give you a couple of crumbs and and wait for the uh, wait for the official announcements to come because a lot of the ink isn't dried on a lot of this stuff. And as we all know in racing, things can go right down to the last second and then go to complete doo doo. So I'm going to sit on a couple of these things, um, which I believe is the responsible thing to do, which is typically not the decisions I make in my life, but for this case, I will. All right, time to transition into our conversations here today. And our first guest will be Dallas Glenn, the 2021 NHRA Rookie of the Year, who is behind the wheel of a semi-tractor right now. And Dallas, how you doing, man? And where are you? I am driving across country near Dallas, Texas right now. Uh, I'm doing good. Sun's shining. It's not too windy here. 
uh, was earlier, but it's uh, it's all good. I'd have to imagine, you know, this is probably a nice way to actually kind of uh, finish off this week, or I guess will be about a two-week stretch for you, right? I mean, you, you get to get in the truck, look out the windshield, and really kind of reflect over what has to has to be one of the most memorable years of your life. Yeah, it uh, it definitely is. You know, you, there, there's usually there's moments in everybody's life, uh, and, and that is kind of uh, like a big change of direction. And this this year has definitely been one for me, where everything just kind of changes suddenly, and it's a whole new perspective now. You know, when you look at the guy that that won the early Charlotte race, and you look at the guy that's that's driving this truck right now that has multiple race wins, rookie of the year. I mean, how much did you personally feel like you've changed over the course of the year, if 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 for any other reason than just the way you're going to approach 22? Um. I don't feel too much. I, I definitely feel more. I, I feel more experienced, more relaxed, more confident. Um, you know, I've uh, I've learned a lot about things with driving in the car that I didn't know back then, and I feel like I can, uh, per, you know, perform better. Um, but uh, no, it's it's really honestly, I don't feel a whole lot different. You know, I always knew that I could. Uh, drive one of these cars you know of course you know you never really truly know until you do it but you know i, I had uh, i had confidence in myself to know that i could do it just is going to depend on how long it would take me to figure it out so yeah as it turns out it was not that long did not take that long <laughs> <laughs> and you know when yeah. we look at we look at your overall performance over the course of the year um not only do you win rookie of the year you had the lowest average re- reaction time of the entire class you, you averaged a 21 light and you know that average was obviously helped by a couple of incredible final round performances um and i want to talk to that too because you know as much as you as much as you said you know in your mind you know you can do something but you don't really know until you do it that goes to the next level when we start to actually apply pressure to people right it's one thing to get in the car and drive it which you've done very well, but then we start to add that that mental pressure on, and you stood up and delivered every time that that was uh, on the table. Uh, well, some of that was definitely luck, a hundred percent. You know, I, you know, obviously there's there's uh, drivers out there that you you know that they're going to be good, you know they're fast, you know they're they're great drivers on the tree, and I mean I'm not saying that any of them are are not good or sure. anything. I'm just saying that you know there's uh, cars out there that are usually faster than others and, and more consistent. So you go up there trying to make sure you get every last bit of it. So I go up there against some cars set up more aggressive than others. And some of that is, is some bracket racing experience of being able to adjust on the fly. Like if I ever feel like I, I don't stage correctly, if I roll in a little bit, you know, I'll push a little harder on the pedal and try to, you know, make sure I don't go red. Um, but for the most part, just going up there and hitting the tree as best I can every time and just knowing how to clear my head and, and do what needs to be done. It's just, that just comes from all the years of bracket racing experience that I have. Um, yeah. And, and you know, that's, I mean, obviously, yeah, I mean, go, go for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I was just going to say, you know, I, I make mistakes all the time too. I miss it. I, the, what the, my biggest goal for next year is to, you know, I, you know, you're going to be able to hit the tree, but my goal is so that when I miss it, I want the my my window, my swing, to be less. You know, if if I miss it instead of going 50, I want to be you know 25 or you know. So that's that's my my ultimate goal for next year. 
No, that's great. And it's, um, you know, and that was going to be a question down the line, which is going to be, you know, where do you where do you work to improve? And that's that's a really yeah. neat take because I've not really ever heard anybody say that. And it makes a ton of sense. It's it's it, it's actually a brilliant way to look at it, because rather than saying, OK, I'm going to try to be 18 next year. It's like, no, no, that's not the way you do it. You look on the opposite end of the spectrum and and, you know, you want your like you said, you want the outside, the outlying reaction times to be to be more solid than than they have been. That's really uh it's a really interesting perspective and a way to look at it. And, you know, we, we always talk about practice trees and people hitting the tree and doing this, that, the other thing. But for you, is it really just making sure you're, you're getting some reps in a race car during the off season, or is it, is it even that important? Um, not this, I mean, reps in a race car is always good. Don't get me wrong. It's, you know, it, it will always help to race as often as you can. Um, even if even if it's not the same tree, just being in a car, focusing, doing the things, it, it doesn't matter what car you're in, it's good for you. Um, but, you know, I'll definitely be hitting a practice tree. I do some slot car racing um, over the off season. You know, I just oh, kind of cool. do it yeah. all. I just, you know, I just have, have some fun and relax. And when it comes time next year, obviously, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll go do some testing. There's a few things that I want to try that I've been talking with Greg about for the, well, in the car. And um, But, you know, it, uh, for the most part, it's just trying to shake the rust off next year when, when it comes time to racing and trying to get back into the same kind of groove that we finished on this year. Because I feel like I was uh, doing, uh, uh, I was able to tighten that, that swing of reaction times a little bit near the countdown when it when it mattered. So, but that's, that's the biggest thing. You know, we do have a practice tree simulator at the shop that I'll, I was going to modify a little bit now that I know more of what the driving is like in the car. So, I'll... Uh, be hitting that every now and then maybe once or twice a week and just kind of try to stay fresh and everything so nice you know i want to talk about rookie of the year obviously and what i think is so interesting about the rookie of the year process this year especially is we had a great crop of people it really did come down to you and josh hart of course and i'm wondering was it more stressful to wait on this rookie of the year announcement than it is to actually be in a final round only i only ask that because you had literally no control over what was going to happen during rookie of the year, right? Versus when you're in the race car, you have full control over that process. So was it more uncomfortable waiting to find out? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would say a little bit. It's, uh, the, the biggest thing is like just the, the anticipation of waiting. Cause it's, you know, it's after all the racing's done, you got to wait for the banquet and it's, uh, you know, being in the race car, it, you know, it's like you said, you know, you have full control over it. This it's, you know, it's uh, and whatever, you know, you know, whatever the voting yeah. decides. So. And an immediate <laughs> result in the race car. Good or bad, you know what the what the story is a few seconds after you let the clutch out. This went on for weeks and weeks. <laughs> yeah, it, it is, you know, uh, near the, the end, you know, like well, like kind of midway through, right when, it, when the race really started heating up, you know, countdown, beginning to countdown, it was fairly stressful. But by the end of it, I was like, I, I don't know if I was over the stress of it or if it was just <laughs> I would. I was just at the point where I was like, I, you know what, I'm just going to go try to win races and I'm just, whatever happens with the rookie of the year happens, you know, Josh has had a great season. Um, I think one of the things that helped my case for rookie of the year is that he did not do a full season. You know, if he did a full season, oh man, it'd get it, this, I mean, it could have gone either way for sure. Yeah. I mean, maybe even slightly towards him, especially with how, how he would have done when he, you know, all the races he missed. So 
and the fact that you picked up that third, you know, picking up the third win of the season for you in Vegas was obviously was it was a huge moment as well for anybody who had not cast ballots by that point. I'm sure that I'm sure that swung your way and it, as it rightfully should. Yeah, that uh, you know that was it was looking back that was a, a, a real good race for me. The car ran awesome all day long. It uh, was hitting the tree good all day long, and it's just we had. I mean, everybody was there. That was the first race that the, the owners of Rad Torque could be at, you know, being in Canada with the, the COVID rules. So being able to have, you know, Silver State and Rad Torque and my family lives in Vegas now and Ken and Judy Blacks, just everybody is in town. My brother flew in from Washington oh, wow. to, to come watch the race. So it's like everybody was there to, to watch. And I'm going to, you know, like, going into especially with the the other you know shenanigans with the the qualifying yeah it, it uh which i'm you know i'm not against that at all you oh, know sure. the, the stack and the ladder and everything it's you know it's great drama and everything it's great for the, the class and everything but you know that was probably one of the most nervous that i've ever been for a first round of pro stock you know i have everybody finally is able to come <laughs> to the track and watch and i draw aaron stanfield first round <laughs> Right. I mean, it, it's like, I'm like, come <laughs> on. Like, you know, I'm like, oh, it's just, I was so, that was probably like the most stressed. And it was, uh, you know, it was a great race. And, and it's just, you know, Aaron, he's, he's such a tough competitor. He's beaten me several times over the season. And, you know, he, he got me in the final round of, of Sonoma. And it was, you know, we were in, you know, that was like, all the cars in, in Sonoma, I felt like it, they all went out early, and yeah. it was like up to me trying to save the the race for our Western Swing, and it, so it was, uh, you know, it stung a little bit, and it was especially because Sonoma was the first really West Coast race where you know they had the live TV at uh, whatever time three four o'clock yeah. or whatever on the West Coast, so we they were still doing the eleven o'clock start, and we had some really short turnarounds because of some oil downs yes i mean i think it was i mean those are still the shortest turnarounds we had all year i think it was 20 and 28 minutes i think at one point i want to say that yeah, yeah. It, uh, from from the time we rolled into the pit to you know after first round to the time we rolled out was like less than 30 minutes and it's to try to <laughs> you know it's not only am i trying to drive this thing but you know i gotta pull the clutch out and cut you know and, and put you freshen it and put the, the clutch back in and build a tranny and <laughs> Yeah, that's a trying lot. To make sure, yeah, to make sure the engines cooled down and got fuel in it and everything. I'm trying to do all this, and then I got to put my suit back on while the car's getting pushed back, and try to strap in while we're rolling up the way. It's just, oh, it was madness. It was kind of brutal on me. It was like so when when uh, Aaron beat me there at the, the final round of Sonoma, I just I ended up going all the way down to the end. I just went all the way down by myself and just kind of relaxed for a second and catch my breath. It was like, oh, that was a stressful day. <laughs> yeah, it is, uh, and that's one of the things that you know it's funny because a lot of people don't realize that that there are times when you know we always talk about the fuel teams getting pushed for time but you guys get pinched big time you know when when things go awry uh on the racetrack and the schedule gets thrown out of whack everybody gets pinched but um very few people understand that pro stock teams thankfully not very often but every now and again you guys are turning those cars around like you said in, in less than a half hour which is just completely insane um i want to talk about the qualifying stuff because it's it's fascinating it's great i think it's good the the Saturday stuff is great. The Sunday stuff is for the birds, but the Saturday stuff is fantastic and it allows us to tell some great stories. And you know, for me, the thing that really cracked me up in Pomona, and I talked to Greg a little bit about it post race, was and God love him, 
Mike Callahan unwittingly completely upended the Elite Motorsports' entire plan to try to hook you guys. <laughs> I mean, one guy, just by accident, because he left before the tree was activated during the first qualifying session, torpedoed the whole thing, and it was pretty funny to watch. Yeah, well, that and uh, Marty Robinson not able to get down in that final session, too. Like, if Marty had made a good run, it would have pushed TJ back to 16th and would have got him. So, you know, and, you know, he's one of the elite cars, so if they had gotten Marty to make a good run there, uh, yeah, it, it would have been another... Very exciting first round. Not that it wasn't exciting enough, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, and you guys, it, it, at least by all appearances, the strategy of, of the KB cars was just come in there and hammer your way down the racetrack. I mean, at one point, I think you ended up... I believe the first four cars on the sheet were all KB-powered because you guys showed up with the uh, you know, with the mentality of just go out there and qualify as fast as you can. Yeah. I mean, we've... You know, through the whole countdown, we've always said we're going to try to collect as many qualifying points as we possibly can i mean one of the reasons that i definitely had to always go to the finish line was um just because if i didn't get enough points greg was going to lock me out of any contention of the championship yes so if he got you know what was it i think 11 points it would have put me at 120 back and that was about the most that i could get him losing first round so you know it uh i definitely had to make sure i went and ran good and did my job um and if Kyle had gotten enough on me, he could have made it so that, you know, if I go out early, he can get around me for third as well. And so it's, uh, we, you know, we all had to do our jobs and it was, you know, we were just kind of hoping that the ladder would work out so that, you know, maybe if somebody would, would get, be able to try to get Erica early, you know, she's super tough and it was ended up Matt got her. So, but, uh, you know, the right lane just wasn't quite as strong as the left lane. So the lane choice was, was pretty good. I mean, I'm not saying that the right lane was bad or anything. It, I just oh, wasn't I mean, quite as good was, as the left. I mean, so. it, was, it was very interesting because the right lane was, you know, I don't want to say it was a death sentence, but it was close to it, especially by the time we got to midday Sunday when, you know, track temperature was, what, 115, 120 degrees. It was, yeah. it was just, for whatever reason, in pro stock and pro stock motorcycle, it was just almost impossible to get down. And if if they didn't, if if people didn't go into tire shake, you could just watch the thing black track for the first couple hundred feet. You, you see the sixty foot time yeah. kind of go out the window. Um, so yeah, that's another yeah. element too, where you you know you really get a hammer on the thing to try to maintain lane choice throughout the days in a situation like that. Yeah, I mean another thing that that probably makes the right lane look worse is no people knowing that they don't have lane choice if they're going to be in the right lane, so they don't you know, in qualifying, they'd probably back it down more to try to make it just a nice clean run. Well, in, gotcha. in race day, it's like, you're trying to be more aggressive. So I'm sure that was probably some of it, you know, if that's why, you know, we didn't really see any of that in qualifying. It's just because everybody's just trying to go out, make them just a nice clean run. And they're probably just more aggressive on Sunday. Yeah. That makes sense. Shown, you know, Kyle's car in the final made a fantastic run over there. You know, they definitely, they, they learned from, uh, my car, in the the semis you know learn what what the right lane was really like and went and made the adjustments to kyle's car for the final and i think it really showed that it, you can run good over there it just is a little different than they were anticipating what was um kind of what was greg's demeanor mentality like over the last couple of weeks and and i mean that in a in an interest i'm not trying to say oh he was mean to me or anything like that what i'm interested in is you know knowing that after vegas that this was really going to come down to the wire was he even more focused than usual or is he his normal self uh greg's pretty much always his normal self <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh yeah no it uh 
you know, you know, losing first round in Vegas, you know, he was definitely kind of put a little stress on everybody. You know, it, it definitely tightened it up, and we, he definitely wanted to go several rounds and you know try to win on Vegas. And that losing first round, you know, he could tell he was upset of himself that he was a little late on the tree, and 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 that's one thing he's been trying. I mean, he I got to give it to him on Sunday. He was trying everything he could. He had like three different visors on his helmet. I mean, he's trying all kinds of stuff to try to try to see the tree better and just hit it as good as he can. It, it definitely wasn't for lack of effort. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, and ultimately, uh, you know, it ultimately came out in his favor. And and I think we have to look at your win in Vegas and 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 just appreciate how big that was because you know otherwise instead of 32 coming in it would have been two you know I mean it would have been it, it that your win in Vegas really did change the profile of what the finals are going to look like uh in Greg's favor of course and so I'm wondering you know what was the conversation regard you know your family's everything else what did Greg have to say to you after you won the final in Vegas oh yeah I mean he was you know he was just happy and you know that, that I won we were able to to stop Erica and he was just you know you could see some relief that you know it was at least <laughs> right. gonna be was at least gonna be a round instead of less than a round so uh no he knew that we still had a job to do in Pomona you know Pomona's a tough track and and you know you could tell he was he was just gearing up for that that's great and I guess you know we've talked about what your kind of goals are for next year regarding uh you know your your own performance and I want to know what, when you roll into the gate for the first race next year, what is the most valuable thing you have in the back of your mind that you didn't know this year? What is like beyond the driving the race car, beyond hitting the tree, what is a lesson that you're going to take out of your freshman year and be able to bring with you and, and be better in your sophomore year? Um, I guess, you know, I mean, it's basically just the, the experience of, of knowing, you know, knowing that I can do it. You know, like before, but before you've actually, you know, done it, it's like, well, you know, it's like I know that I can, but I haven't really done it yet. So, you know, there's always that uncertainty. But now, you know, knowing that I that I've done it, knowing that, you know, I, I know that the car is working good, and, and and just all the stuff I've learned with the clutch pedal and everything, I can go in and have a better understanding of of how everything's going to work. And uh, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, you know, everybody always picks up a little bit changes you know there's there's always movement and everything over the off season so it'll be interesting to see what the all the racing looks like oh that's a you know that's a fact that's a fact obviously we got a we got at least one maybe a couple new cars coming in with uh an engine supplier that formerly gray motorsports now titan racing engines camry caruso and here and there's going to be a second car as part of that operation as well and you know we get to race at your home track finally you know we didn't get to get up to seattle this year we'll get to do that and man if you think you had some fans in vegas wait till we get to seattle yeah, that, uh, you know, so I was really looking, you know, I've, I've, I really want to take a pro stock car down the track in Seattle and, and, and race in front of the hometown. You know, at the same time, it's, I also look at that race and you know, it's like, oh, I'm going to get, you know, <laughs> you know, going to get swamped and everything. But, you know, I, I really want to go up there and see everybody. You know, I, I uh, love the area up there, you know, as much as you know, I just, not that I'd ever move back there or anything. I love North Carolina so much. It's, you know, the racing is incredible, North Carolina. But, you know, you always you always like where you grew up and, you know, you know it's familiar and get to see all your old friends and everybody. So uh, definitely looking forward to that. Um, I still haven't heard when they're coming out with the pro stock schedule yet. Tomorrow. I have heard about any of that. Tomorrow. Oh, I will okay. be, yeah, we're making <laughs> the show on a Wednesday and it will be announced live on NHRA social media tomorrow. 
Okay. Well, I'm definitely yeah. going to be ready for that. Yeah, you and me both. <laughs> I haven't even seen it yet. I also I'd give you a hint, but I haven't even seen it yet myself. So we'll all be learning about that. Uh, we'll all be learning about that tomorrow. Dallas, man, I appreciate you taking the time and uh, drive safe. Certainly enjoy the off season. Have a great Thanksgiving, and uh, I'm sure we'll be catching up again before we get back to start for 2022. Yep, I'm sure I'll probably end up seeing you at PRI here in a few weeks, and uh, you enjoy your Thanksgiving and. Uh, have a good one. You bet, man. Rookie of the Year 2021 of NHRA Camping World Drag Racing, Dallas Glenn. So we transition off a conversation with Dallas Glenn, who was driving a big rig back to North Carolina, to a guy who just parked his big rig in Indiana. Trip Tatum, how you doing, man? Oh, pretty good. How about you, Do- Doing really well, man. It was uh, what a way to end the season. And uh, how about you playing a big factor in this final race, man? The semifinal finish for uh, for you was, was great and certainly uh, a, a really a lot of hard work coming to fruition there. Yeah, it was. I mean, it, it kind of happened so fast, and you know, we weren't planning on going out west. We were just going to plan on running St. Louis and calling it in a year. And like everything else, things evolve. And <laughs> then, uh, you know, we decided to do it. My, my truck and trailer is, was getting a bunch of work done on it, and most of it was done, but it was still needed to be moved into. And at the last second, we well, let's just throw it all in there and go go give it a go. <laughs> and sort it out. Yeah, we'll sort it out when we get there, right? Yeah. <laughs> Quite literally. <laughs> so I want to I want to kind of go back a little bit here and talk about really the timeline of you getting this car together and coming out because it's been a while, but you've done it in a very kind of measured, methodical way, really the, the intelligent way to do this without kind of rushing yourself into it. So if you can talk about, you know, when did you acquire the truck? When did you start getting the car together? And, and obviously making your debut in the car this season has been very impressive. Um, man, it's been so long now, <laughs> you know, how COVID it kind of put the brakes on a lot of people's stuff, but yeah. it was, it's been about two years ago that I bought, bought a truck and trailer and I basically bought what was left of two people's teams okay. and, uh, Mike Dakin stuff and, and then the dotes. Okay. Uh, and just kind of got all our stuff together and looked at what we wanted and, you know, and, and my, my whole operation took a little bit of a change from who was helping me and then uh, um, Bobby and Dom Logano stepped into it. And uh, so things took a little bit of a change different there, but we just been st- kind of steadily working for, uh, you know, it's been a year and a half almost now on this and just decided to get a new car and, you know, basically this program is very heavily influenced by the way they do it across the street there at Tapco and yeah uh, that's not a uh, that's not a bad that's not a bad influence to have <laughs> no not at all not at all and uh and, and as as an, in a representation of how, how the car is run in such a short period of time I mean we made two little test hits in July uh at Indy and you know we wanted to test the car more and but we just we went to Indy and everybody knows what happened at Indy getting, you know, the rain. So yeah, that didn't quite go the way we wanted, but you know, it, it was what it was. And then we decided to, uh, we stayed after Indy and made two laps on Tuesday and the car showed in pretty much immediately what we wanted to do. And so the next step was go to St. Louis and, you know, right out of the box. I mean, it went a 74 or five. I mean, you know, which, which was, three or four hundreds faster than I'd ever been and that was four and a half years ago when I last drove the, the Ninja at the Spring Vegas race. Was it that long? I was going to ask what the timeline was between the two. I didn't realize it was four years. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I drove uh, the McPhillips uh, family car yes. at Indy uh, that year, but after that, uh, nope, that, that was it. So it, uh, yeah, it was it was a, a little, you know, a lot to do and <laughs> in a short period of time. You know, me getting my act back together driving i mean which is you know it's tough you, you you realize that after that kind of time that your mind might be there but what connects your mind to your you know everything else <laughs> not necessarily is <laughs> you know i so. think i think what's interesting trip too is is in this time frame you were you were at the racetrack a lot you, you did not have the car yet you did not have your operation out yet but you spent a lot of time at the racetrack and i'm wondering how much or how important was all that time spent just in your own mind of kind of understanding how you wanted to do things or how you wanted to approach things. Because when you spend time out here and you see how, how a lot of people do things, you get to kind of pick away at some of those ideas and, and use them to your advantage. Yeah, well, I, I was very fortunate to, to go to the races with uh, Tommy Johnson and, and all those guys for almost two years. Yeah, And, you know, they taught me a lot, being around them and, and just absorbing. I mean, you, you know, it's I try as much as I can to just – to sit there and and watch just listen learn and yeah it 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 helped a lot and uh yeah i mean you see a lot of things you ask a lot of questions you you know you you try to figure out how this could work for me and and, you know it's just things never stop changing it's always an evolution and you know you just kind of make your way best you can you know, John Stewart's a guy who's uh, who you've been working with. Obviously, we see him. We see him next to the car before you before you head down the racetrack, and and that's a guy that that's a guy that's like underappreciated. Like I don't know if enough people know just how much of a badass Stewie is. Oh yeah, well I mean every time I've ever driven a fuel car, Stewie's been there, so it's it's a huge comfort factor for me too. Yeah, um, and uh, you know, and Tony Shorthall, both of those guys are what run this car, and you know, he's Tony doesn't. You know, excellent. I mean, you know what those guys have done and how they've done it. I mean, we've our crew. I mean, great, great bunch of guys. They call it the best retirement crew, you know, <laughs> in history. I mean, a lot of good guys that you know said, "Yeah, I'll go help." And you know, we we try to do things as the best way we can in the right way. And it, I want them back. You know, so you you know you want to have a, a good place to work, and so it's. When you guys uh, when you guys loaded up and headed out of town to go to to go to St. Louis earlier this year, that must have been kind of a moment for you. I mean, something you've worked for and certainly wanted to do for the majority of your life is actually you know coming to happen, and you're in this truck going to St. Louis. That must have been kind of a neat feeling. Yeah, it was. I mean, I, I can tell you that just driving one of these cars is, is hard enough, but to own one and drive one <laughs> is a whole nother level of a lot of things, and. I, it, you know, I, I learned quickly and, and Bob, Bobby told me years ago, he goes, you have no clue. And he was right. I didn't, I didn't have a clue what was in front of me. And, you know, those guys have been just awesome at steering and, and saying, look, this is what you got to do. And this is why, and yeah. you, you know, you just, it's, they, they, they lead by example, you know, well, so you know, they lead by example and, and, you know, those are guys that they learned a lot of lessons the hard way, right? They learned a lot of lessons the hard way over the course of their careers and lives in this sport. And, you know, their dad is an obvious legend and, and his, his story is incredible. And, and listen, they, those guys scrapped and worked for everything they ever had. And I think, I think that's what sets them apart from a lot of other people. It's that they realize, 
you know, they realize the value of this stuff beyond the dollars and cents. They realize the, the value of, of having friends like you in their lives, people that they want to see succeed and, and they want to, they're going to give you the, the straight answer every time, right? They're not going to sugarcoat it or, or tell you to do something just because they feel like you want to hear the, the, the yes answer. Oh yeah, yeah. Sometimes you'll get your feelings hurt with them because they'll, <laughs> <laughs> they'll let you know. I mean, and, and, and obviously for the right way. I yeah. mean, you know, I mean, it, look, look at Dom and what he's been through. I mean, yeah. to, to see that guy do what he's doing right now is it's it's just it it's still blows my mind. So, and you know, it just they're just good people. I mean, that whole situation over there, all those guys that work over there are good people, and I, you know, obviously Billy and Mama Kay and Steve and. Uh, you know, just without their blessing, none of this would happen either, too. So, it, you know, I'm just very thankful to have those guys and that family. Yeah, I mean, listen, me. I, I, I fully believe, and I've said it a hundred times, that they they changed the game. I mean, those guys single-handedly changed the game. And, and I don't know if we're sitting here having this conversation without them, right? Oh, not, not anywhere close. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely they changed a lot of things. And, I mean, you know, and Hoagie is – Hoagie, I mean, it's he, he he definitely, you know, is pretty darn sharp at what he's doing. So, oh, it's amazing. So when yeah. we look at when we look at twenty twenty two, what uh, what's your kind of uh, goals? How often are you you're going to try to get the car out? Kind of what are you looking at doing for next year? Um, you know, yeah, I want to run the car obviously a lot more. Uh, at this point, I'm one hundred percent self funded, yeah. and you know, I. I promised myself in the beginning of this that I would stay within my means of something, you know, in this situation. And I'm so far, I'm doing pretty good at it, but you know, you gotta, you gotta be, be smart because before you know it, it could all be gone in a heartbeat. So, right. uh, yeah, you're just starting on working on a little bit of help here and there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to pretty sure we're going to go do the preseason testing in Phoenix right. and then, uh, you know, Maybe the first couple of races of the year, you know, I, all that, you know, it's, I don't even, Brian, I don't even know that I even drove a fuel car on, on Sunday. It's just, it's like, it's overwhelming. It's like your mind's going a million miles an hour and it's like, you know, so it's, it's time will tell. Yeah, man. Well, it's like, it's like you're kind of, uh, you're learning how to fly the plane and the plane's in the air, right? <laughs> you're going to, it's learning how to land the thing is going to be the next challenge. But this, this is, I guess it's really the only way to learn. The only way to actually get experience as a car owner is to become a car owner and then, and then take it as it comes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, every day is a new and different challenge. It truly is because it's, there's just so much, it, keeping this thing pointed in a general direction is hard enough. And, uh, <laughs> so it's, it's definitely been and will continue to be an eye opening and a learning experience. Yeah. And last question for you before I let you go and then let you start unpacking your stuff out there in Indy. Um, you know, with the, with the semifinal finish in Pomona, this was a car that got turned around multiple times, got turned around cleanly. Uh, what was, I guess, outside of the, you know, winning a couple of rounds, what was kind of your favorite part of that experience? Was it actually seeing this this team operate as a team and, and function really at a high level? All the above. I mean, it's, but like I was saying before, it just, things are happening so fast. It's, it's so hard to absorb. It's, and it just takes time. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm proud of the guys. I mean, they they just they all did a good job these guys have so much experience that you know they just go and do their work you yeah. know they, and 
yeah, it was it was very satisfying to. I mean, I won a couple rounds of racing this year. You know, that's tough to do by oh, itself. So absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, shy of a blow belt coming off, I, you know, we were we're going to probably win the semifinal there, and it's you know, it's it's that kind of hadn't even said in either. So I mean. And, and look, that side of that ladder, that side of that ladder was tough. Oh, that was a was nasty, like, that was a very nasty side of the ladder. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, yeah, you know, it was, it, it hasn't sunk in, Brian. That's the point. Well, that's, and it's going to take a while. Nah, it's cool, man. Well, when you're, uh, you know, when you're running around town and sit down and have a beer and run into somebody at the bar, they'll say, hey, nice job. And then it'll start to sink in. But dude, I uh, appreciate you taking the time today. And it's great to catch up and certainly uh, has been a really impressive and welcome addition to the class to, to watch that car go out there and, and run up and down the racetrack. So well done, Trip. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Trip Tatum is a guy we will see more of in 2022, and we're going to be saying that a lot. There's a lot of teams that are be that'll be expanding their schedules, and a lot of teams, of course, in Top Fuel especially that are that are coming back into the fold with Tony Schumacher coming, and again, uh, hearing some very positive reports about uh, Austin Proc being able to make his way back into the seat as well as uh, John Force Racing does their business due diligence in the off season. Our final conversation on this episode will be the guy that Trip Tatum was on the opposite side of the ladder from in the semifinal round, Cameron Foray, driver of the MP top fuel dragster out of Huntington Beach, California. Cameron, it was a career day. Certainly, it's been a career couple of races for you to end the season. How you doing, man? I'll tell you what, man. It's been this past uh, six weeks has been uh, one of the highlights of my life. It's uh, It's been quite the breath of fresh air, and yeah, I'm, I'm on cloud nine, and you know, it's it's really awesome to go into uh, the off season with such such high highs. I guess you'd say. Yeah, no, it was awesome. I mean, and and you're a guy that uh, obviously, you know, when we race in the western part of the country, people love you because you're from there. And Pomona is obviously your you know home racetrack from Huntington Beach and all. And you know, does it make it more special to perform at that level at that particular racetrack? I mean, it's going to feel good anywhere, but like if you're in Epping, I feel like it would feel different than if you're at Pomona, right? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's, it's really funny because I, I fell in love with drag racing at Pomona. Um, I, my first race in a junior dragster was at Pomona. My first round win in a race car was at Pomona. My first national event was, uh, win was in Pomona. I mean, so it's just like Pomona's, I kind of make it feel like it's, it's my house, you know, and I always seem to do really well there. And so it was just kind of, a icing on the cake to do it in top fuel. You know, you, you, you dream of those moments and, it's it's insane to actually live them so it's yeah i, I hope to go uh, a couple steps further one of these days and place a top field wally there it would be uh quite the full circle that's for sure but yeah any anywhere is uh round winds are good anywhere but uh, definitely to do it at home is is pretty uh pretty awesome especially in front of your friends and family you know let's talk about this race car as well because uh, i performed flawlessly in vegas and it was a fantastic car for you all weekend long in pomona so I mean, was the fact that, you know, that uh, Todd Payton and his family and his team were kind of marooned in Canada for a while, was that actually a help? <laughs> Did they were able to just scrutinize every inch of this thing or what? Honestly, yeah. They, <laughs> the thing's been ready for quite some time. We've been trying to put this together for well over a year, but because of, you know, the COVID stuff and everything, the border was closed. So we were kind of had our backs up against the wall and trying to pull permits and do all these crazy things in order to get the thing uh over the cross the border there was even talks of uh, well we could put it on a ship and, oh, and put, you know do it literally do a u-turn to, <laughs> to holy cow to, yeah because you can the biggest thing was is you couldn't drive across the border you could fly if you yeah. had special special privileges and things like that so driving was kind of the issue but um they they worked really really hard to to get it all handled but yeah i mean they were sitting there for almost two years and literally mark and yvonne and you know 
the whole team, they literally were over the thing with a fine tooth comb. And I mean, they, they were ready, ready for bear. I mean, they, the whole trailer was loaded full of parts and they were ready to rock and roll. And it obviously showed. And, um, you know, Stewie, John Stewart, you know, he did an amazing job with uh, putting a, a consistent tune up in it. We just wanted to go down the track. And, and I think that's, we definitely accomplished that and, and in, improved every single lap. And, you know, that's what we want to do. The ultimate goal is to get Barry Payton a, a 70 time slip and we got a 79. So it was, uh, he was a pretty happy, happy man. Yeah, I mean, when you started reeling off the laps, uh, really in Vegas is when we started talking about, you know, kind of consecutive career bests when you're going quicker and quicker. <laughs> um, you know, how much of an assault on your senses is that in terms of runs you've made previously? You know, that that 79, how much far afield of other runs you've made did that feel? Oh, man. I mean, well, we, we got really close in Vegas yeah. and, you know, pre- previously in qualifying so that – I mean, we're only talking a couple hundreds, but I mean, when it's on a good run, you can definitely tell. And I mean, it, it doesn't stop pulling, you know, if it starts to drop holes or something like that, it kind of, it kind of wants to die out or if it's spinning the tire or whatever, but when it's hooked up and ready to go, man, it's, it's uh it's game time and it's, it's a heck of a ride. So I mean, it's, I mean, it, but the best part about honestly, the whole thing for me as a driver has been making those consistent laps and learning my driving style, my yeah. technique. And I mean, it's getting to go down the track and actually make laps is such a huge thing. And it's, they're so, they're so hard to come by because I mean, it's, it's so expensive to do this and this, that, and the other thing. So you can't just go pull it out of your garage and, and just go for it on a Tuesday. So to, to get, to yeah, go right. up and down the track and has was awesome. So well, it really and, helped me as a driver too. You know, I had Trip Tatum on, on the show earlier and, and the same thing I said to him, I'll, I'll kind of throw at you. It's like, it's one thing to make the runs and another thing to make them in a qualifying environment, but you get into Sunday and you guys had to turn that car, you know, effectively what twice, three times to get it ready for the semifinal. And that's a testament to the team as well, right? Because it's one thing to go out there and make a nice rip first round, but then when you actually have to reassemble the thing twice after that and, and have it be correct and fast, it's uh, it speaks to the team's ability as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this team has been together, believe it or not, for, for many, many years. And so it's like a well-oiled machine. You wouldn't think that they, they somewhat race part-time or have been off yeah. for almost two years because they, they literally, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't surprise me if they were practicing up in Canada during the week just to, just because, you know, <laughs> keep, servicing keep things because they busy. were bored yeah. trying to stay warm. But, uh, you know, no, they did, they did phenomenal. And like I said, they've been together for so long and it was like a well oiled machine actually between the, um, I think it was second round in the semis. Uh, we actually blew one of the side body panels off the carbon fiber body, like tore off. So we had to literally mount, you know, while doing the normal service, we had to find a side panel, mount it, drill all the holes and do all that stuff. And, you know, a special thanks to Scott Palmer's team too, because a lot of those guys came over and helped us with that while the team was servicing the car. And yeah, it was, uh, we couldn't figure wild, out what that was. Yeah, that's interesting you say that because when we watched it, our camera shot was from the other side of the car. So we didn't know. You know, I think Tony mentioned it might have been a decal or something. I mean, it really looked odd. So that makes total sense. It was a piece of the body because it was, you know, yeah, small like pieces. Whole, right. The whole side, like the, basically where my shoulder would be and down, it, it split it and tore the whole thing off. So, wow. I mean, there was literally nothing left of it other than half of that piece. And <laughs> unfortunately when I pulled off the track, uh, NHRA tech was like, yeah, uh, make sure you take a look at that before next round. <laughs> you know, so, yeah, I turned, I turned the AC on at like 850 feet. <laughs> right. Yeah. To get a little breezy yeah. in there. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. One yeah. of the things I, I thought was really fun, you know, about, about your last couple of races specifically on Sunday was, um, you know, your nature at the top end, it, it was cool to me because, you know, it was a, it was a, 
perfect mix of one kind of act like you've been here before because you have and two be very appreciative and thankful and a little bit wowed about what was going on around you it was very genuine and I think that was one of the neat things it's like you know you're the type of guy that people look at and and they they appreciate your effort and they appreciate the heart and soul you put into this and so when you have a day like that I think you have a lot of people in your corner even if they're not yelling loudly for you they're kind of standing back smiling because you have put in a lot of work to get to this point yeah, hundred percent. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, if I if I had the time, I could probably name off thousands of names of just people that not only have you know helped me financially, but parts or support or you know, hey, let me watch your kids while you go make a run or run your wife <laughs> right. in the super comp car. I mean, there's so yeah. many things that make this stuff go, and I, I'm so appreciative. And it's it's been a long twenty, almost twenty five years of trying to do this to get to this level and to and to run this well and. It's, uh, you know, like I said, if I had hours, I could sit there and, and probably name them all off. But, uh, you know, the cameras would probably be like, okay, it'd be like the Academy Awards. Okay, play the music. Play the music. So, but I, I really am extremely, extremely grateful. And, you know, that's the biggest thing I think people can kind of resonate with me because I am just a guy that literally, you know, is just a normal dude outside of outside of my fire seat and my helmet. And, you know, I have two kids. I, I raise two kids. I have I, I teach college during the week, you know, and so I'm, I'm just a normal guy that's, that's chasing the dream. And, and I guess I can show that, you know, you can do it if it takes a lot of work yeah. and a lot of help, but it, but it is possible. So was it, was there a level of, um, I don't want to say relief, but was there a level of relief? Like it's one thing to drive a race car and it's another thing to win a couple of rounds. It's another thing to drive a really fast race car and do it in a, in a professional way, which is what you did. So is it validation? Is it relief to have a weekend like this where you can sit back and go, I actually, I can do this and I can do it on a level that, uh, that is very competitive. Absolutely. And I actually told my wife that the other night when we got home, I said, you know, like once I was able to catch my breath for like 0.5 seconds, I was, <laughs> I was just telling her like, man, like we can do this. I mean, yeah, yeah it takes a lot of work, but, but man, you know, we showed that, you know, not only did we, do amazing on the track, but off the track to put this program together with the Peytons and with MP and, you know, all the stuff that goes along with it, crew uniforms. And why is a Volkswagen company sponsoring a top fuel car? And, you know, all these things that, and then everybody's like, Oh my gosh, that is literally the coolest thing I've ever seen. Your tow vehicle matched, you you know, like all these little things and how many people that are in the stands resonated with the, with the MP brand and you know what we're doing. Cause it's been around for so long. Oh my and, God. Yeah. You know, and it, it, people are like, Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. So it was really, really cool that I had, I even had people come by wearing, they knew I was going to be racing with MP branding and they brought, they wore vintage t-shirts from the seventies. Oh, that's fantastic. And, and came to my pit and asked me to sign them. And it was literally an original MP shirt. A couple of guys had them on and it was really, really cool. And, the support from all the fans to see them supporting a company that's, you know, kind of off the wall when it comes to, you know, top field drag racing. But like you say, you know, everybody in the stands doesn't have a top field dragster, but you know, a lot of them have a Volkswagen. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, one a, one it's, time a, it's a huge company and it's a huge, stuff. huge culture, right? I mean, it's a whole culture around those cars. Absolutely. It's a huge cult following and, and I'm very grateful to, you know, their community for, uh, for you know resonating with it and, and being psyched on it you know of course there's there's a couple questions people ask and you know once the once you validate their question with uh, what we're doing they're like actually that makes a lot of sense that's really really cool so it's been a lot of hard work behind the scenes and, and that's what i'm so proud of is is being able to to bring back a company like mp that's been you know got so much history within the nhra and 
it, uh, everything kind of went together was was just phenomenal, and I can't wait to continue with it. And listen, they uh, you know they were actively activating with you at Seam. I thought that I was impressed by that. You know, they had you signing there, and they had you as an active mm-hmm. part of what they were doing. And you know, I, I think um, it is uh, it is one of the I, I'm going to call it a weak spot. It's one of the weak spots we have. It's like we have we do have sponsors that activate with drivers, but not enough of them and not enough activation so when i saw that it was cool and then uh, of course uh we spent some time together at sema on the uh, on the stage there for the nhra mm-hmm. display and uh you brought one or two of the mp guys over to kind of check in on that so you know how how do the conversations begin with them you know it's it's funny how it all kind of you know it's a socal company and you know i'm from socal and um the marketing director uh, over at mp Corey, i've known him for you know, a handful of years and he was at a different company and, um, we did a lot of business together and stuff like that. And, you know, once he took on that role, we kind of developed business relationships with other things that we got going on, like in, you know, the parts world and, you yeah. know, the body shop world and stuff like that. And then, um, we did, they did like a test market thing when I was driving for a different team. And then, uh, it kind of was, they were like, yeah, like, let's do this. We're super interested. And then, you know, we put a deal together and then COVID and, but yeah. they, they were so interested and they were, they, they loved what I was doing with them that they literally signed me on to, to do some off-road stuff. So, and, you know, we talked about that a little bit before, but, you know, I, I raced Volkswagens for them, um, you know, in the, doing the off-road stuff and the short course stuff. We did Crandon. We, I mean, a lot of huge events. Man, that's and, awesome. You know, they, yeah. And I'm just a drag racer. They got to go off-road racing. I mean, they could have, I mean, yeah, they have Blake Wilkie and all these uh, really, really good off-road guys too, but they believed in me so much that they, they wanted to keep going and I did some TV stuff for them too. And, um, it, it's just been a, a phenomenal relationship and, you know, we've been able to, you know, put to get together a lot of things outside of the racetrack as well that, uh, that they're really happy with. And, you know, I, I couldn't be any more grateful to, you know, just the whole program. No, it's fantastic, man. It is, uh, it's, it's, it's really fantastic. And the, and that the fact that there was this kind of really cool, you know, payoff, if you will, at, at Pomona is even better. Um, oh, yeah, that was huge. <laughs> yeah. As the, you know, as the, the questions get asked for everybody, you know, what are you trying to get together for 22? What's your outlook? What's your, even if it's not a plan, what's your hope or what's your direction? Um, the goal right now and the plan is to potentially do, you know, eight to 10 races. Right. Um, you know, hardcore, you know, we want to go out there and we want to race, we want to win, yeah. we want to run hard, you know, and that's, that's the biggest thing. Sure. We could probably divide up some of the, some of the funding and, and go to more races, but you have to run a little softer and things yeah. like that because you don't want to break. Well, we're out there to, you know, we want to compete with the best in the world, you know, the, the Steves and the Antrons and the Justins out there. And, you know, we're, we're looking to do that. And, and I feel very, very confident that with the Paytons that we can get that done, obviously it showed the, uh, you know, this last weekend. So eight to 10 is the goal, depending if we, if we come up with some more funding, if, if somebody's interested, you know, we'd love to, to, to join forces and, and do a full uh, 23. If, if that's, if the opportunity arises, I mean, this is, this is, uh, I've given my whole life to this sport yeah. and I'm not ready to hit the shoots on it, my career quite yet. So uh, let's, uh, let's go full bore. No, that's fantastic. And, you know, I look at, and the conversations I've had with a lot of people, I mean, within we have, you know, multiple full-time cars re-entering the sport we're going to have a ton of of expanded schedules like you're talking about you know people running 10 to 12 or or 8 to 10 in that in that neighborhood um you know i look at the u.s nationals next year and i'm assuming that would be one you'd have on your list i look at the u.s nationals and there's a potential we'd have like 24 or 25 top fuel cars there which is like mind-boggling Oh, absolutely. I would just want to be, be there just to be involved in that because, yeah. you know, they, people say that some people say that sports dying out, but I'm here to tell you that I have a feeling that there's going to be some pretty serious, uh, 
some teams showing up here, uh, you know, out of the woodwork, which would be great for the sport and, you know, some younger drivers coming in and, you know, being able to put together programs and, you know, that's what we want. You know, we want to keep the sport growing and, and keep bringing in new, new companies to be able to do that. So I'm grateful that, uh, you know, what we got going on and, you know, like I said, hopefully we can, if we could do the full tour, absolutely we would, you know, it's just a, it's just a matter of we want to race within our means and, and, uh, and be able to make it happen uh, on race day when we're there. Yeah. I mean, we've seen this, what you're talking about, we've seen this play out more and more prominently over the last several years of teams that, that were trying to get to every race and just barely scraping by kind of pulling the throttles back and, and cutting the schedule, their own personal schedule back. And the one thing we see among everybody is the quality of their program goes up. You know, and like you said, it's just a, it's the nature of the business. You can run the thing super hard 10 times a year, or you can run it that maybe you hope to qualify 18 times a year. And it seems like the more fulfilling and smarter move would be the 10, the 10 times that you can really go out there and try to lay one down and actually, you know, and actually accomplish something. Absolutely. You know, I'm not, I've, I've been in this sport long enough to, to, you know, do it a lot of different ways. And, you know, I, as I get older, <laughs> I mean, I may not look older, but as I get older, you know, I, I'm there to win, you know, and I, whatever it's going to take to make that happen, you know, if I got to stay home for one weekend so I can, two weeks later, I can go out there and, and double my chances. I mean, absolutely. You know, that's, that's what I'm all about. And like I said, I want to race with the best in the world and, and that's what I'm able to do right now. And, you know, thanks to, you know, Todd Barry and, and the whole Peyton team. And like I said, with MP and, and the JBS equipment people, and you know, it's 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 been phenomenal, and I, I just really can't wait to continue. I'm so excited. I, I feel like I'm rambling, but it's just <laughs> it's such a long time coming, and and I appreciate the opportunity of you, you know, you guys talking to me and stuff. But it's it's just awesome. I, I don't even know what to say. Like I'm speechless. It's like when you're a kid and you're laying there dreaming, and right. you know, here I am actually le- legitimately living that. So <laughs> it's really it's really cool. I got one last question before I let you go, and and that is how valuable is the path that you've taken to do this in terms of, you know, going forward, learning how to do this really the hard way. And I, 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 I look at the way you've done this and the, and the amount of time you've invested and in, in the way it's gone for you. And I think that it's incredibly valuable because, you know, sometimes you got to learn some of these lessons the hard way. You've learned some of them the hard way, like, like every, everybody has, but without the, you've not ever walked into a situation where it's just the red carpet's been laid out and you haven't had to scrap for everything you've got. So talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of been the mantra my whole life. You know, I, everybody knows my little unique story about, you know, my I told my parents I wanted a junior dragster and I, I wanted to race. And they said, we're beach people. We don't really do that. You know, you're going to have to figure that out yourself. So I started acting and, and made my own financial independence and bought my own race cars at 12 years old. And that's how bad I wanted to do it then. And I still want to do it just as bad now. And starting from literally ground zero, like putting a junior dragster in the back of a pickup truck and taking it to Ramona to, to being a top field driver is, is insane, <laughs> but it does take a lot of hard work, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for the world to be honest with you. And, you know, sure. It would be great if, if I had the opportunities that, that some, and you know, I've always been a proponent of not being a hater for those people. I mean, right. you know, if, if, if your dad is somebody, if your grandpa is somebody, if you know, uh, great, that's awesome. Right. The gra- you know, the, the more the merrier. <laughs> I think that's great. But, you know, that, that didn't happen for me, but it wasn't going to deter me either. You know, I'm sure it may take me a little bit longer than, than the next guy or gal, but you know what? It, it makes it that much sweeter, you know, when, when I'm able to, uh, you know, to, to light up a wind light or to see somebody that's smile right. on their face that this helps me. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I've learned a lot, you know, I've grown up as a man and, you know, going to school and, and learning how to, to do business. And that, that's the biggest thing. I mean, 
I guess I'll, I'll end it on, you know, if you're a kid listening to this and you want to do this and you say, well, Cameron did it. How did he do it? Well, definitely learn how to, uh, do business, you know, outside of the racetrack. And then, then the track time will, will, uh, will bring itself to the table. So makes total sense, man. Makes total sense. It's like everything else, the stuff you do when no one's around or the stuff that people can't actually see is really uh, the most important stuff of the whole process. And that allows you to get out there and, and hammer down and, and thump some people on Sunday afternoon like you did in Pomona, man. It's uh, it was like I said, it was awesome. Places going crazy every time you turn on the wind lights and uh, it was really fun to watch. So congratulations. Heck yeah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Karen Foray, he will be back in 2022, expanding the schedule a little bit. And that's the story we've been hearing a lot of. Cameron, thanks for your time, man. No problem, guys. Take care. And so that's going to take us to the end of this first off-season episode of the NHRA Insider Podcast. We're going to be diving into a lot of different topics in the interim, about, what, 88 days now, 87 days now, before we go back and have the NHRA Winter Nationals in Pomona to kick off 2022. Certainly looking forward to that, but also looking forward to the conversations we're going to have between now and then. Three great chats with Dallas, with Trip, and of course with Cameron Ferre to finish things off on this show. Keep your ears peeled NHRA.com and all the NHRA social media channels for the breaking news that is going to be really starting to fly here, if not this week, next week and the weeks after between now and Pomona because of the new teams, re-emerging teams, people looking for people, crew chiefs swapping around, the stories will be manifold. Thanks for listening. I'm Brian Loans, and I'll be back again, not next week, but the week after.